Welcome to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast where I get a special guest to choose a story, they nominate their favourite things about that story, I then have to watch it and guess what those things might be. Hello Toby, Uh, my name is James Goss and I write uh, things for Big Finish, I write target novels and well, that's what I do. And uh, you've asked me to nominate a story and I'm nominating For to Doomsday because nobody else will because they're all wrong because For to Doomsday is For to Doomsday and I hope you're about to enjoy For to Doomsday as much as it's given me pleasure over many, many years since I first saw it. Well, welcome back, everybody. We're here for the final episode, episode four of For to Doomsday in which Stratford Johns is a frog who thinks he's God and Cato from the Pink Panther is underused (laughs) and uh, uh, Tegan has done something that has made her react in a very strange way to whatever's gone on in the TARDIS turns out she's um well we will find out but she's she's materialized outside the spaceship but we had n- no idea that that was the case um really what was going on uh last week or last episode because these were shown twice a week anyway let's get on with it let's see what happens in the final episode of this very strange beast that they call Fort of doomsday which i'm going to press play on in three two one In, I've, I've just poured myself a cup of tea in between episodes and I've been pondering and I I don't know what this is I, I'm i as I say I'm enjoying it but partially because it's Doctor Who and it's so different from Doctor Who but what possessed what was the motivation for making this story what made Terence Dudley go I want to tell a story about a guy on his way to an invasion who's got this curious methodology um uh, and and spends lots of time watching different um arts council funded displays of uh movement uh well, well done, Nissa, because she's she's used the graphite from the uh, and I again I love the way that um, because it's so stagey. Uh, Paul Shelley has to do a kind of I'm going to shoot you, I'm going to shoot you. No, actually, I'm going to shoot you, and it's really hokey, but he just makes it work because he's a good physical actor, um, uh, and and over just about sells and overcomes the technical. Um, flaws um, in 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 the way that it, it it has to be executed, and therefore the doctor isn't ex- executed. Um, and I love this. You may keep the pencil. I love that line. I don't know why I love that line, but I love that line. It's uh, it sums up this story as a whole. Is there something rather curious and likable and? strange about what it does with something very ordinary and surely that's what doctor who is all about it's the you know finding the 
Yeti at the loo in, in Tooting Beck, you know. Um, you you may keep the pencil. I, I adore that line. Uh, <laughs> and Shelley is selling this very nicely because he's still, he's polite, but he's, oh, oh, God. Another Chinaman reference, and that one's a joke. Um, oh, dear. Um, anyway. And yeah, I do like the laser gun, though. Uh, I, uh, I, as I say, I was a, a sucker for that kind of thing. Oh, poor old Bygan's been yeah, decircuited. Decircuit that. So we, last time we saw Tegan, she was pulling a series of slightly bizarre faces, um, and she was either really upset or very happy, depending on <laughs> how you interpret whatever it was that she was doing. Uh, and I think it's that she was slightly shocked that she'd managed to take off. But I would say it's not particularly clear. Now that's that's the line that James likes. The poor are always with us. But why does it come when he's looking outside the window at the TARDIS? It's like we've got a good line, but we don't quite know where to put it. Because when James mentioned that line in his summation of why I liked enlightenment and persuasion, it's a great line, the poor are always with us. But it's oddly placed there. Interfere with my monotonous. I wouldn't dream of interfering your monotonous. <laughs> See, that's a great Doctor who -y line. It's very charming. John Black... Is a really interesting director because he's, he, I think he's very elegant. He's quite stagey. You know, Keeper of Traken is very like a BBC Shakespeare production. Um, and I, and I, I wonder if he was cast to the to the stories that lent itself to that. But I, I, I did interview him and he's a very nice man, a charming man, John. Uh, uh, oh no, there's going to be another dance. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, if you're going to have a story where lots of people have to sit and watch some entertainment, mm -hmm. I, I can understand that the, the sword fights may be a bit diverting for the Saturday tea time audience, but uh, but uh, the, the dances. Uh, anyway, um, and John said he wasn't invited back after after this, so and he would have happily done done more, which means and I, which leads me to think that he was slightly uh, hard done by especially as ron jones keeps coming back who i think is a very static director who does get better um but i don't think jo I, I don't think john black does anything wrong in fact i think he kind of he, he, you know he responds to the script in in the best way possible there's no disguising the fact that the script is a lot of exposition and a lot of walking about and a lot of watching dances um but he I, I I think he he judges the tone of it very very nicely. There's no point trying to. You can't make this action packed. So I think his direction really suits the style. That the 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 oh you're a dick, Adric. I'm so sorry, but it really is. Is there anybody that doesn't? Uh, uh, is there anybody that that? I mean, I know I'm I'm got to accentuate the positive, uh, and the positive is that, you know. Matthew Waterhouse is, I think, 
hugely misunderstood and I don't like the way that he's reported. I don't actually like the way he's treated particularly on the on the commentaries for this, where I think it seems to me that the old dynamic that was existent during the production seems to sort of reassert itself, you know, 30, 40 years later. Um, uh, whereas, whereas Matthew is actually an, a, an interesting, uh, funny guy. Um, but the, I, I don't think there's any escaping that 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 Adric is. I've, I find Adric quite hard to like. Now, that may be good for the dynamic of the TARDIS in that he, uh, good leering from Paul Shelley here. Um, uh, he's he's a useful character in that he gets them into trouble. He's being well-meaning. Um, but in being well-meaning, he sides with the wrong people and makes the uh, the wrong calls. Davison does this uh, very, very well. This is another example of that. Um, we're we're passing ourselves off in 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 plain sight. Uh, and Davison does this, this very well. Shut up and listen. Very nice. <laughs> He's got a great face, Paul Shelley. He's actually got a great face and i don't mean this rudely he's a very handsome man but he's got a great face for a frog actually paul shelley i can i can see you know you can you, you, you there's the sort of the sense of the reptilian there um and he's great isn't he because he's is he provine in blake seven in the episode countdown he's he's very good at those sorts of you know thin-faced villains uh but he's had a he's had a terrific career as i say um as, and latterly as a, as a director of Shakespeare. Um, but yeah, the, the, the idea that, that Adric is naive um, and, and causes trouble, I think is a, I think is a good one. But I, I think, I, I think they needed to characterize it slightly differently. Um, it was, yeah. I always liked it when Nissa had something to do when I was younger. She was definitely me as an eight-year-old was my companion figure that I sided with. So I remember really liking the fact that it was her that used science to, what was it, conduct the sonic screwdriver through the graphite of the pencil or whatever it was that she did. Um, uh, I, I loved that idea that, that, that Nissa was, you know, being proactive and, and uh, being part of it. Some more dancing. Hooray. Um, oh God! There's a bit later, isn't it, where everybody comes to dance at once? It's like, well, it's episode four. Uh, you, uh, I mean, what the audience are really gonna be singing out for is for is for the dancing to go a bit crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, there are some odd choices. It's an odd old thing, but I can't dislike it. Um, but it's. It is like it's being made by people who don't know what Doctor Who is. And it's a funny one for your... You know, the show has relaunched with a new Doctor. And there was a story they didn't make, wasn't there? The, the John Flanagan and Andrew McCulloch project, Theta Sigma. No, it's not called that, but whatever it was called. Which, which as it wasn't made, and... <laughs> um, because you've got this, and you've got Black Orchid. You've got, they're all quite sort of elegant, but they're, they're quite... S slow moving s stories you know they 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 
they take they're not afraid of taking their time it's not like we're which is why Earthshock was so welcome to me as a as a kid because it's you know again it's what I imagined science fiction was like um, I like the fact here that Bert Kwok finally gets something to do um, but ah uh, but it's that it's it's that it's it's that classic thing of uh of, of it's it's what the the doctor does to the master in uh terror of the autons isn't it after four episodes of assisting the the the, the nestines in their evil plan he goes do you really believe them he goes oh actually now that you've pointed it out the thunderingly obvious has occurred to me Yes, you see, it's nice to see uh, uh, Bert Kwok finally doing something and Lin Futu getting a bit of, uh, uh, you, you know, clubbing together with the Doctor um, to start, you know, to start, it's, it's fermenting a revolution, isn't it? That's what the Doctor does best, is that he upsets the status quo by, uh, by energising uh, and enabling uh, the people who have been hitherto uh, enslaved um, and also he uh, you know reintroduces humanity gets they get bygone back don't they they reintroduce humanity the doctor is very much an advocate of of the flesh time and of individualism and um, you know all the things that stop us from being uh, robotic and uh, machine-like and conformist so uh, to its core it's a very doctor whoy idea it, it's just but oh conformity there is no other freedom uh, now i did not know he was going to say that um but of course the doctor is not conforming uh, uh and and making it pretty obvious to the viewer if not to monarch there's still quite a lot to happen in this episode because he's got to get the spaceship back uh, it's a beautiful chinese dragon but um it's a, again we're in episode four and the doctor's watching um a, 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 essentially a, a, a carnival <laughs> um but it's fun that he's used the dance to, to smuggle himself and bygone out of there um oh and you've got another another da another dance here another fight this is quite uh um dull <laughs> uh what a funny funny story this is i'm interested but yeah it's i don't think anyone loves fort doomsday but i hope that nobody hates it because it's it's interesting as as much as for for, for as i say the some of the things the questions that i've raised as to how how did this get to the point it's the and I wonder what Peter Davison thought. Going, is this? Oh, I'm. I you know. I remember the key. I remember the keys of Marinus and the tenth planet. They they, they didn't do this. Um, <laughs> uh, and why? Yeah, why are why are bygone and enlightenment of persuasion watching two men unconvincingly wrestle? Why aren't they going? Should we be watching? Should we be watching? Uh, Line of Duty. Should we be binging? Should should we Netflix and chill, Your Majesty? Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. I now I like this costume as well. 
Um, I think the costuming in this period of the show's history is superb, actually. Um, the, the, uh, I, I actually think season 18, 19 have, have uh, really good uh, costuming policy. The costumes are always well made. They're always elegant. I think Adric looks great in that in that uh, sort of space safety uh, costume thing that he's got on. Now, Princess Villagra is an actress called Nadia Hammam, and she gets a credit because it's a performance, even though her character has taken a vow of silence. But uh, I don't know much about her, but I, I, I guess I've not really... Um, I've not really looked too hard, which is odd because I, I mean, I've, I've searched in great, you know, I've, I've dug deep to find a, a thal. Uh, I think I, it's partially also because I think if, if they're from further away in time, uh, that to me feels more like archaeology. And this feels to me modern, even though it's 40 years old. Um, so, yeah, somebody born after me can find all the this, I mean I just think this is really funny um, not because it's badly done it's obviously well choreographed and uh, it, the costumes are all great and uh, it's it, and incongruity is doc, in Doc 2 is good uh, you know a, a kid with a gas mask saying are you my mummy is peril, you know scarily incongruous that the TARDIS uh, against uh, an alien vista or a gleaming spaceship backdrop, that ramshackle blue box—that that incongruity is 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 charming and fascinating. But the incongruity of those different dances, sort of milling about that set with that repetitive, the the didgeridoo music that keeps that keeps kicking in. You just you, what what? Why is this? <laughs> And I remember this being quite painful as a kid because I actually isn't it funny because I think it actually looks okay now, but I was always on the lookout for bad special effects and and CSO terrified me because it was the sort of thing that people at school, you know, the you could take the piss out of and you could spot. Uh, I love the laser gun and it goes it goes through Adric, doesn't it? Because oh no, it goes through it goes through persuasion and he's great because he does he dust himself down yeah brilliant uh before advancing because he's not in a hurry because he's a he's a he's a robot-y thing um uh so paul shelley i think has been absolutely brilliant throughout d despite the limitations of the part um and and i love that bit with the laser beam going through him and the way that he dusts his hand but uh so the doctor uh, oh and they 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 get they get um they get stuck, don't they, in a in a, in a particular, yeah, in a particular stance. So he, oh uh, yeah, and that works really well because so basically, that's poor old persuasion has been flung out into space, um, and that's I think that see that is nicely weird. Um, they know that looks strange. The idea that he's he's stuck in that position because he's been decircuited. But I, you know, I think that really works. I think that's really interesting. Um, I, I think this has maybe been tarted up for the for the remastering because I remember the rope disappearing quite a lot and it just being a bit uh, oh another great I love a laser beam I do love a laser beam uh, oh and I think she rather brilliantly the way she flips the way she undoes the rope and and, and and sort of rather callously no she actually does it quite jollily doesn't she, she yeah look at that look that she gives it it's just to go haha I don't care I throw you away and she gives him a little wave that's quite 
that's quite arch and camp. I like that. Uh, well done, Annie Lambert. Well done for uh, uh, enlightenment. <laughs> you saucy minx. Um, now I saw. I remember. I think she had a. Uh, the last I saw of her, she was selling her gorgeous converted farmhouse for a million quid or something. Um, in the in the somewhere. Um, uh, and that she'd and that she'd retired from acting and she'd come out and she'd done an episode of Midsummer Murders or something in about two thousand and seven. But it said she'd come out of retirement to do that. Uh, uh, but seems happy enough anyway. Um, I think she's done some phantom film signings as well. But uh, yeah, she'd 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 given up acting and uh, and made a beautiful home for herself. Uh, good for her. Um, now this made sense to me. Oh yeah, I don't like the the obviously the the cricket cricket ball is a drawing or a video effect or whatever. Um, now I'm I'm told that the science of that is nonsense that's interesting i remember him having to do it far more times than that um uh yes well done everybody that that silent cheery acting um i'd remembered him having to do that a few times the throwing the ball uh which again it was a kind of you know brothers and sisters going oh that looks awful and it was a real embarrassing moment i remember when i you know got it again on video going oh i remember this story being a bit boring and and, and remember those bits those sort of bad bits of production being really set your teeth on edge but actually with the passage of time and and all old doctor who sort of starting to look as each story is much like the other because it's the style of television is now not how we do it um uh uh, I, that sequence didn't look anything like as bad as I thought it would. And the science makes the momentum of him catching the ball and sending him flying back. I'm sure I read somewhere that that's absolute nonsense. But you know what? It makes perfect sense to me within the idea of weightlessness and the vacuum and whatever. I, I buy that. I quite like it. Yes, now is, is Stratford Johns giving a slightly different performance here again because this is a different production block? I think... This is something worth looking out for, if you remember what I was talking about in episode one. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, which is something that uh, that we've seen the Doctor do before. Uh, respiratory bypass system and all of that. Um, which is always a nice little... Uh, uh, it's 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 a nice moment for a fan. I was I remember being quite pleased as a kid, knowing that yes, he can do that. All I have to do is I think it's never a great idea to, for a story as it's reaching its climax. Go, um, yeah. All all I, all I have to do is sit down for a bit. <laughs> um, very good, uh, urgent acting there, Davison. Um, I'd for, totally forgotten about this bit, but but. <laughs> They do. I'm, I'm watching the two the two guys sort of half wrestling. Um, <laughs> I just find those dances so funny. Not not because of the anyway. Hilario <laughs> um, Bissi Pedro, who plays Kakuch, was in uh, uh, one of the one of the League of Gentlemen's um, uh, series three, I think. I remember, and, and then died not long afterwards. Uh, Oh. 
Oh yes, because of course he actually, that's the that's the big irony, isn't it? Is that actually um, Monarch has not had the courage of his own convictions. So that's there's a politician slash leader um, saying, "Do as I say, but not as I do." Uh, isn't that still relevant, a eh, listeners? considering the times that we live in record uh, presumably uh, the first thing he does when he lands on earth is to have a flesh time party in downing street yo doctor you see yeah he's doing a bit he's doing a bit of uh, of villainous acting there that's a great special effect the shrinking he needs the atmosphere yeah because he's still he's still in the flesh time yeah Cheeky, cheeky, cheeky. But it's a poison that shrinks people. Um, so, yeah, I don't know why the poison shrinks people. Was that it? He wasn't... I do like the idea that, that these, these four guys and their dancing robots... <laughs> Go to another planet. Uh, ow. And if, if Monarch is still alive in there, that banging on the helmet, because they say you shouldn't bang on a fish tank, would have probably perforated his tiny eardrums. Oh, it's a very sweet look that uh, Lin Futu and uh, <laughs> Bygone uh, exchange. Um, so, yeah. The, I mean, I, I I do think it's sweet that those, those guys are, are going on to another place. Oh, and... So it's a very abrupt ending, isn't it? With um, basically the Doctor having the file of the poison and just basic, basically saying to Monarch, ah, look, I've made everybody dance uh, and uh, I've, I've, I've frozen enlightenment and persuasion. So um, uh, Monarch just comes and goes, I've got a laser gun. And he goes, oh, I've got this thing. Shrinky, it's quite, it's quite, having spent a lot of time sitting around watching people dancing. Uh, it's, yeah. What a funny thing. And then it ends with a cliffhanger with Nyssa fainting. Has she been infected by the poison? Uh, uh, is her flesh time about to come to an end? No, she's... she's the, the next episode cannot function with too many companions. So she's sent to sleep to make way for Richard Todd and Neris Hughes and Simon Rouse. In Kinder, which I've already done with the writer of The Bay... Uh, Dara Carville, that's, uh, that's been an earlier happy time and place. So if you're a late comer to this, do check some of the uh, earlier episodes. Um, Kinder was one. I did. I went off on one, I think, about um, the dark places of the inside. But that's the nature of these. These are unrehearsed. I don't do any homework beforehand because that's what uh, the deep dive too much information is for. Uh, and I do a bit of homework for the indefinable magic, but they're you know they're written, they're scripted, every line uh, thought about. Whereas this is my reaction to the episodes, but uh, trying to find the positives, and I have to find two because I have to find a favourite thing about episode four, and I also have to find an overall favourite thing, uh, and uh, I'm. Um, I'm probably not going to win, but I never do. Um, but I was close with episode one with 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 James. Um, I've chosen Don Babbage's lighting when James chose the corridors. 
in the second episode, I chose the cliffhanger when James chose enlightenment and persuasion. So I can't choose what he's already chosen. Uh, for episode three, I chose the sort of bygone philosophical flesh time kind of stuff. Whereas James chose Monarch's plan. There's a little bit of crossover there, but perhaps not quite as much. I, I was a bit nebulous with episode three, let's be honest. Um, I was a bit strange and hard to decipher, which is, I think, in keeping with the story. And for episode four, I'm going to choose I Love, You May Keep the Pencil. I'm sorry, I don't care. I think it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I'm not entirely sure why. But it's a mixture of, and I like to give a nod to Paul Shelley because uh, he's, a, he's a fine actor and jolly chat, nice man. Um, and I think overall, I have to give Stratford Johns due for, I think, pitching his performance very well uh, across the whole of the four episodes and doing villainy, doing good villainous acting, but but without going through the motions. It's not villainous acting by numbers. As I say, he brings a certain casual to it whilst having a grandiosity which is difficult because that sounds like a that's that that sounds like an oxymoron um but he wears his majesty it's because he has an innate presence uh and and he's really good at delivering dialogue um and making it hit home uh so well done stratford johns i think it's a I think it's a really good performance his real name was alan alan stratford johns um and one of the uh, one of the first of the Z cars alumni that John John Ethan Turner I think basically you know when somebody goes into a meeting goes so what could you bring to this job how do you see yourself what do you see yourself doing with Doctor Who and he, I think John Ethan Turner said basically um, I, I'm giving roles to the entire cast of the Palaces and Z cars I was pretty high on his uh, 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 on his uh, uh, aims for the show. So what has James chosen for episode four and for his bonus thing? My favourite thing about episode four, and uh, it's not even going to be a surprise to you or anyone, is that uh, it is the little programme that could. Perhaps it shouldn't, but it did. That spacewalk, only Doctor Who would have attempted a scene like that. Only Doctor Who would have attempted it with an office chair and some black drapes. Only Doctor Who would have pulled it off. Bugger off, Star Trek. Any other show, whatever. Just look at that. Look at the fact that it flies in the face of budgets, in physics, in everything. And it just goes for it. Congratulations. And my final bonus joy of Four to Doomsday is the idea. The idea of this mad spaceship full of robots who are flying around for all eternity, worshipping a frog. Only Doctor Who could do this idea. It's just so delightful and fun and is the kind of idea that Doctor Who should be doing. And um, I hope you've enjoyed Fort of Doomsday as much as you should. And if you haven't, that's your fault and not Fort of Doomsday's. Ah, oh, thanks, James. Uh, I do urge you to seek out his work if you haven't already. He, he will need no introduction to any of you. But his personality shines through his work. He's a delightful fellow. He's screamingly intelligent searingly intelligent um and and terribly terribly funny which he wears very lightly as a person um and he's also very charming and he's been very helpful to me as well uh i like him a lot 
even though I don't know him especially well. Um, and I really do like his work and I, I would urge you to seek out uh, any writing of his that you can find. Uh, he's he's really one of Doctor Who's good guys. Um, and I'm delighted he chose for to Doomsday. Um, and he's right. And do you know what? That spacewalk would be a thing that I would, would have ashamed me so much as a kid. I remember at the time going, oh, God. Um, and actually looking at it now, it looks absolutely fine. I've forgotten, yes, it's an office chair. That's how he goes back. He sort of flies back because he's sitting on an office chair. Brilliant. Good for you. Everyone else at the BBC is making stuff set in, you know, in living rooms and, and, and uh, uh, pol- you know, p- police... Uh, office, police offices, police stations, uh, or, 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 you know, rooms. Uh, Doctor Who is doing space uh, and, you know, trying to... And, and, and the fact that also it uses the cricket ball that, that, that they've gone with. I don't, I don't particularly approve of a, a costume, of the Doctor having a costume, and especially one that is a motif, i.e. Uh, he likes cricket, so therefore he will always wear... A cricket, that's like saying, I like Doctor Who, I will always dress as Doctor Who. Or, um, uh, you know, some, somebody's a football fan, they will always wear their football scarf. No, you you don't. People don't do that. Um, but nonetheless, if you're going to do that, if you're going to go, well, he's the cricket guy, then t- I, think it, I think it is, uh, you know, it, it is sm- smart and delightful and artful to go, okay, well, how's he going to get out of this? Oh, well, he's going to use the cricket ball that he always carries. We may as well make use of the fact that he's got the cricket ball. So I, I, actually that whole sequence now that you know, doesn't look, okay, it probably looks slightly below average in terms of special effects of 1980s Doctor Who, but all special effects in 1980s Doctor Who do not hold a candle to special effects today. So then, as I say, they all sort of merge into one, really. And and, and I'd expected to hate that. Uh, I th- again, I think it has slightly been slightly improved by the by the remastering that that we know has has gone on for um, you know various subsequent re-releases. And I think BritBox gets the gets the masters for the DVDs or the Blu-rays or whatever. So it's it looks slightly better than it did at the time, but that's okay. Um, uh, I, I, I enjoyed that sequence much more. Well, I, it certainly didn't embarrass me in the way that uh, I thought it would. And I agree with James. It is, it is a story. It's a mad story. It's weird. I've got no idea what anybody was thinking, but, but I kind of like, that's what I kind of like about Doctor Who. You know, television is full of things where you know and often television in those days was made as Terrence Dick said you know we just didn't want to show the test card you you had to get the stuff out there it was made you know in a very tight window and the show had to go on and it was made in a certain way that you just wouldn't do a show like that certainly um now and even doing it then doing it the way that you make other programs that aren't set in space and having to get something out by a certain time um and but even within that slight madness you have this really strange fish of a story um that's that somebody wanted to tell and within it there are moments of great charm there are moments of great strangeness there are bits i simply don't understand and i've watched it a lot as i say that i don't understand in terms of the story but also i don't understand in terms of going what, what? because you sweat 
you sweat over every sentence, over every full stop when you're producing a piece of work. Um, and I don't know if the sweat sort of blurred the page and people said, well, we'll just we'll we'll just guess what this is supposed to be. I've no idea. But I was charmed by that. I very much enjoyed it. I very much enjoyed James's enjoyment of it. I hope you have enjoyed it. My thanks to James. Uh, my thanks to you for listening. Uh, and uh, uh, we've got to the end of the podcast. Uh, so I'm going to go back to the beginning and start editing it together. And uh, maybe when I go back to the beginning, uh, I will meet myself and prove that I am God. <laughs> Thanks very much for listening. I will speak to you on the next one of these. Goodbye. I think you'll find. 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 While I'm coming back to this podcast before it uh, signs off, sometime later to just do a couple of additions to save you writing or tweeting in. Uh, uh, this is the section we called I Think You'll Find, where something I've mused about and not come up with an answer to has been answered uh, by fair means or foul. Uh, and this is definitely fair because Peter Ware, deputy editor of Doctor Who magazine, who is a patron, so he gets these podcasts before you do if you're listening to this and you're not a patron well yeah you won't be because the, the patrons have actually not had this bit that's interesting unless they then listen to it when it comes it doesn't matter uh because uh so so that actually means you've got something that, that the people that pay for these podcasts haven't got that seems wrong i'm gonna have to address that anyway um peter says one did you know that For to Doomsday, I said I didn't even know what the title meant, For to Doomsday is so-called because that was the position the Doomsday clock was at in 1982. And Peter says we're currently at 100 seconds to midnight. Yikes! So isn't that interesting? For to Doomsday is so-called because it's the position of the Doomsday clock in 1982. Great title. Thanks, Terence Dudley. Uh, no way I could have discerned that. Well, I didn't. I mean, I haven't for how many, how many years it is. 40 years until Peter listened to this and told me. So he's told me I've learned something I didn't know. And I hope some of you had. If you were all throwing things at your radio or your headphones or whatever you listen to on, going, is that, that was what the time means, you idiot? Um, then perhaps I should retire and you can all do the podcast for me. Um, and... I was musing about where the Chinese extras came from and said I, I, I was pretty certain they'd come from a local Chinese restaurant or I'd read that at the time. Um, Peter says, it's likely that Chinese, Chinese extras in the story were recruited by a Peggy Sir's Oriental Casting Agency, which also engaged me, that's Peter, to appear in the Madonna film Shanghai Surprise in the mid-1980s. Because Peter, uh, well, his great auntie Bai uh, was in Marco Polo, uh, and his great uncle Fred, Frederick, Vi's husband, was in the Talons of Wang Chiang, uh, and uh, uh, and they. Uh, but but Peter says the Chinese extras in Fort Doomsday. It's entirely possible that Peggy Sir's agency did cast them all 
from the same restaurant. So it was Peggy Sir who uh, who you went to if you wanted authenticity in your as I, to use the to use the phraseology de, de jour and to use the title of the casting agency if you wanted oriental casting in your production. And Peggy Sir is actually herself uh, an extra in Marco Polo. But that's a story for another day. So there you are, clearing up a few things that may have had you um, either unsatisfied because I I didn't reach a proper conclusion or left it hanging or throwing things at the speaker going, oh, hang on, Toby, I know that. Well, I'm just showing you that I know that now too. Thanks to Peter Ware. What a gentleman. Well, thanks very much for giving over one of your valuable drop-in times to listening to this Happy Times and Places, presented by me, Toby Haydock. My special guest this time around was James Goss. He's on Twitter, at Goss Jam. I'm grateful to him and to the many patrons who make these podcasts possible. They include Darren Howard, David Hughes, Paul Ingerson, Robert Jewell, Christopher Joyce, Judith Jackson, William Keith, Matthew Kilburn, Andy Kitching, Hendrik Korzenioski, Andrew Lester, Andrew Llewellyn, Jakob Lumley, Nate Lynch, Darrell McLean, Philip Marsh, Glenn McLeod, Pip Maidley, Steve Manfred, Nick Mellish, James Miller, The Missing Episodes Podcast, Justin E. Monaghan, Chris Murphy, Tom Neenan, Jeremiah O'Connor, Mark Trevor Owen, Russell Parker, Andy Parkinson, Phil Pascoe, Richard Patey, Ken Patterson, Thomas Payne, John Pettigrew, and Liam Price. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. If you would like to join that list of names, you can do so for as little as £3 a month. And at that tier, most things are available, uh, which includes bonus material, exclusive releases, and all of these podcasts well in advance of when they are released to everybody else. And that's on my Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash Toby Haydock. As I say, £3 a month is the lowest tier, but you could go up to a million quid if you want. And there's a 10% discount on all of it uh, if you sign up for a year. If a monthly subscription is not what you're after, you can also go to Kofi, kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. Myself with those two musical stings, they were just lying around at the end of the uh, the um, whatever this is, the, the the garage band thing that I'm talking on. But it's sort of timed, so I've done that live, and the music's played in. I perhaps didn't get the chance to say everything I'd have liked to have said about Patreon and Kofi, but I've said it all a lot. So if if you've just started listening to Toby Haydock's time travels, choosing four to Doomsday four, oh the treats that you have in store when you can listen to the full spiel about Kofi and about Patreon. And, oh, my gosh, you even get a plug for my comedy club, which you're probably physically unable to get to, but I'll still plug away. Um, but what is always a common denominator, because there's no musical sting right at the end, is that I can go on here for as long as I like. But I think it would be wrong to uh, to fit in the bits I missed out before, because that would, that would make a nonsense of the pithiness dictated by the... Uh, just the random placing of the two musical stings that I'd got there as a placeholder, but it seemed to, as I say, it seemed to fit with what I was saying, and in they popped. So there we go. There's a, there's a little peek behind the scenes of this slick audio operation that isn't one. <laughs>